2019. Still getting used to that, I feel like. But, you know, the year is going along and we are continuing in this Gospel of Luke as we have been in since the end of last year, actually. We, we started off, um, you know, in the Advent season and going through Gospel of Luke and we loved it so much that we said, you know what, let's stay here for a while. So, so this year we're going through the Gospel of Luke and today we're up to Luke 5, 12 through 27. Uh, now, last week, Pastor Toby brought us into this chapter five, and uh, you know it was a, uh, you know it was a, a really. Am I cutting in and out? I guess I'm out. I'm good. All right. So, I guess this. Uh, don't mind that. Sorry. Uh, this is last week. So last week, um, Pastor Toby, uh, you know, brought us to Luke five, uh, one through eleven. And it was this uh, amazing scene of Jesus and, and how he is preaching. And, you know, he's got so many people coming to him that he actually had to, as he was along the shore, he had to go out in a boat, kind of make himself his own impromptu stage. And as he's out in the boat, then he's able to preach, right? And, you know, Pastor Toby gave us this great uh, kind of encouragement that, you know what, Simon... He's an expert fisherman. That's all he knew his whole life. And yet the Lord told him to do something. It didn't make sense, but he said, hey, let down the nets. They had tried all day to fish, and they caught nothing. But because the Lord said so, he was obedient. And out of that obedience, then he was blessed. And more than that, I think he was able to really see, wow, that's God. right? And so now today... We are continuing that, that from that point, you know, this miraculous catch and, and Jesus has brought in these fishermen into his uh, kind of into his crew as, as they are now his disciples that, that they're going on. And Jesus is continuing to teach and Jesus now is, is coming into this town. And that's where we come today. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for each day, every breath we have, Lord God, we have so much to be thankful for. And, and Lord, I'm grateful that as we have been able to go through this Gospel of Luke, it's, it's been really uh, just refreshing to me. It's been eye-opening for me that, that even though I, I've read these Gospels many times, that there's just so much that you're speaking to me about. And so, Lord, this morning, we, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes, to open our ears, to open our hearts. Help us give you space this morning that you can speak into our life. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. And so today, uh, like I mentioned, Jesus is traveling. He's continuing to make his way around. And everywhere he goes, he is teaching, right? As he is called to preach, to proclaim the gospel, to speak about the kingdom of God. And verse 12, if you guys have your Bibles or you can join me up, up front, it's, it's going to be Luke 5, 12. And it says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
Now, leprosy, we know it's a skin disease, right? It's a, it's a bacterial kind of disease. And, and the word that is used in the Bible for leprosy, it's kind of a generic word. Like Gary was mentioning that, that you know, he, is, he has been uh, fighting an illness, that he's sick, right? And, and not like, he's better now, you can say hi to him, but I still keep a little distance and give him a little air bump, right? So, so anyways, this is a time of year, right? I feel like everybody is like, oh, I don't feel good. Oh, I'm a little sick. I'm a little out. You know, whatever it is, like, it's just a time of year, right? And, and, I, and I can imagine that, you know, maybe you didn't feel good and you had to call into work and said, you know what, I, I can't make it into work today. You know, you're telling the boss and he's like, well, what's wrong? Oh, I'm sick. You know, for some of you, it's like, oh, that's fine, right? For other you, they may say, what do you mean you're sick? Like, what, what kind of sick? You know, what does that mean, right? And that's kind of like this word of leprosy. It's like, well, it, it's a skin kind of thing, but it's, it's very kind of generic term. It's, it's open. It's not like, it's like sick. It's like, not like, oh, I got the flu, or I have, you know, uh, ear infection, or I have whatever it is. You know, it's not a specific thing. But Luke, Luke is a doctor. Right, and, and so in that, that portion where he says, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Right? Luke is using a specific term, a, a technical term. It is uh, you know, something that is not found. Uh, you know, it's not a common word. And, and so Luke, Dr. Luke is saying, no, this man, he is covered. He is, uh, re- you know, this is the type of leprosy that he has. And that is what we know today, or we may, call, we may know it as Hansen's disease. And don't worry, I didn't bring any pictures. Uh, you can look that up if you're one of those people that, that uh, you know, wants to see, then go ahead. You can YouTube that or Google that later. But Hansen's disease, and this is a, a bacterial uh, disease that's spread uh, very slowly. They say sometimes, uh, you know, this is interesting to me, I didn't know, sometimes it could take... 20 years before you really show signs of infection. Um, but whatever the speed, you know, this was something that if left untreated, you know, it really attacks your nerves. And so you may lose feeling in kind of your extremities. And I don't know if you've gone to the dentist and, and you had your, your mouth is numbed, right? You're like, oh, I can't really fuck, right? Your mouth is kind of numb from the um, Novocaine or whatever they give you. Well, it's kind of like that. You lose the feeling. And the dangerous thing about losing feeling is that, you know, your body has these nerves to tell you, like, ouch, that hurts, right? Can you imagine if you had no feeling in your hand and you cut it or you put it into fire or, you know, these kind of things and you wouldn't pull back, you know? And so a lot of these people, they ended up, you know, they, uh, you know, were, had hurt themselves. Um, they had accidents and, and eventually because they didn't have treatment for that, then this would get so bad that, um, you know, in some cases the body would kind of reabsorb, uh, your fingers or different things. And so they would lose these different parts. And, uh, definitely it was visible where there would be skin discoloration. And, uh, you know, so it was something that people would see right away. That, wow, that person has something. In fact, if you read in the Old Testament, um, for those of you that, that remember the story or that you've read through the story of Moses and the Exodus, um, if you haven't, it's, uh, it's a great place to, to look and to get some of that history. And in Numbers 12, we have this scene where Moses' brother and sister, 
they're grumbling about him. They're kind of arguing about him, and they're, they're kind of like, man, who is this guy? You know, this, this little brother, like, oh, man, he's such a pain, like, you know, whatever. And God hears him, and God punishes, you know, and, and God gives Miriam this leprosy. She just instantly, her skin changes, and they're like, whoa, she's got leprosy, right? And in that, in that moment, you know, Moses cried out to God to have mercy, and so he said, okay, well, she'll just have it for seven days, but she's got to be separated. So she's, she's taken out of the community to be out on her, lo- on her own, away from everybody else. And so after seven days, then she was healed and she was able to be restored. But in that time, in that culture, leprosy was something that was incurable, right? So think about something like Ebola, right? If we found out somebody had Ebola, like this whole place would be quarantined, right? It would be locked down. That person would be isolated or that people would be isolated, right? And that was kind of like what it was in that time to have leprosy. And so if you had this leprosy, there was a number of things that would happen to you. You know, first thing is that immediately you would be separated. You would be put aside from the community, right? Can you imagine you're taken away? If you have a family, you would never be able to to feel the touch of your husband or your wife, to hold your children uh, to give your mother or your uncle or anybody a hug. You're just, everybody is completely separated from you. No one wants to get near you, right? Worse than if you have some kind of common cold or the flu or something. Like, nobody is coming near you at all. If these people were fortunate, then maybe outside of their town or their city, there might be a leper colony, so a, a community of lepers. So at least there you could be with other people that have the same kind of thing, and you can you know, have some kind of community. But if not, you're just out on your own, right? They basically also, you know, in their appearance, they had to make sure because they were a danger to others that you know, they had to let their hair kind of grow crazy. They had to have their clothes a certain way, kind of just kind of wild and raggedy and, and, and all that. And, and so people could identify them. And if they saw someone else coming, it was their responsibility. They had to yell out, unclean, unclean, right? To say, get away from me. Stay away, right? And it was something that was so feared that, you know, I was reading some things that even if you were downwind from, if, you, if we found out like, hey, you were downwind from someone with leprosy, like 150 feet or something, then they would be like, whoa, you're quarantined, you know? And they would be watching like, are you showing signs of, that, of infection? I mean, that's how much it was feared, right? So, it was not a good uh, experience to have leprosy, right? Just like it would not be a good experience to have some other incurable disease, say like Ebola, like if someone had that, they wouldn't be allowed, like we wouldn't allow them to come and worship either, right? So if you think about it, not just socially, not just, you know, in that community, but in the church as well, they were completely, completely separated. 
And so they could not go to temple. They could not go to synagogue. They could not go, you know, to any type of, you know, religious thing because they were danger. And people were serious about this stuff, right? We know that the Pharisees and probably others, they carried these stones with them. And if someone was there with leprosy, it was, that's, I mean, that's just totally like, okay, that they would say, hey, you know, get out of here. If they didn't, they'd take them stones and then just, you know, start throwing it at them. You know, these people could be killed or they could be, you know, it's just like, that's how serious it was. <laughs> Remember, we, we said, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. So Jesus is in the town. He's not out outside of the town coming in. He's not out on the road. He's in the town where this leopard should not be, where this man would have to go everywhere he's going. He's going to have to yell out, unclean, unclean. And he really runs that risk of people being like, whoa, what are you doing here? Get out of here. I'm going to pick up my rock and I'm going to start throwing it at you, right? And so he's risking injury as well, possibly even death. And yet here is a man coming to meet Jesus. If you've been with us, you may remember uh, in, in a previous chapter, in the last chapter, in chapter 4 of Luke, uh, you know, Jesus, he's in his hometown, right? He's in his hometown. The people, they don't really give him that respect. They're like, isn't this the carpenter's boy? Isn't this Jesus, Right? And, and so Jesus was, was unable to do these miraculous things there because they had no faith, because they had that barrier of, man, we know this guy. How can he be something special, right? But in that time, remember right before they tried to run him out of the town and, and kind of like throw him off the cliff, what is it that he said? Jesus, he brings back some of the, the things that they knew well. He talks about these respected and revered prophets. He talks about Elijah and Elisha. And, in, and he tells them, hey, remember, remember Elijah, remember Elisha, right? And so Luke 4, 26, 27, it, he's talking about this. And in that he says, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, to, to, to the, the Jewish people, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there was many in Israel with leprosy at the same time of Elisha. And Elisha, this prophet, right, what, who did he cleanse? It wasn't the Jewish people, yet he cleansed Naaman, the Syrian. And that, you know, was probably one of the things that upset them, and he, they wanted to chase him out. But I think Dr. Luke, he's setting this up, right, that as we are going through this gospel, that that's fresh in our mind. Yeah, remember, Naaman was healed by the prophet. And so I think that this man, this leper, he hears, hey, there's this guy, Jesus. He's doing these amazing things. To me, that sounds like a prophet of God, right? That's something I've heard about. And Luke has this fresh in our minds. Yeah, he healed. Who? He healed Naaman. The prophet healed Naaman. That's what Elisha did, right? And so I think this man is like, man, I'm pretty sure that this prophet, this man of God, Jesus, could heal me, right? And so I'm going to take risk because I'm desperate for healing. I am going to take risk. And so he comes before Jesus. He falls on his feet. 
And what does he say? He proclaims, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now notice he doesn't say, Jesus, man of God, great teacher, are you a prophet, whatever. He doesn't say, hey, are you able to heal me? Like, do you, is it possible? Can you heal me? Will you heal me? Like, is, is that, are, is, are you able to do that? That's not a question in his mind, right? I think he's taking this risk. He's desperate to come. Why? Because he knows Jesus is able. He knows that Jesus has the power to heal him and he can heal him. And yet, when he comes before him, I think we see his heart and he says, if you are willing. If you are willing. Because I, I think we've experienced that. You know, some people, they do good things for the wrong reasons, right? Maybe so that people will think higher of them or they'll respect them a little bit. I, I recently watched, I just kind of think, I recently watched a, a, a movie, the kind of latest rendition of Robin Hood. And, you know, I've, I've seen many, many different uh, movies about Robin Hood. But what one scene in this last one, uh, mo- most recent one that I saw was, you know, there's a scene where, where Robin is, he's trying to, uh, ha- he has this facade that, that, you know, he's trying to be friends with like, the sheriff of Nottingham, who's a kind of villain, and, and they're in the church, and in the church, there's kind of this line to get in, and there's the offering plate, and, and what kind of money do they have? They have coins there, so, so each person is, is coming up, and as they're walking in the church, they're, they're dropping their coin, Right? And most people, they just have like one coin. They're just dropping it just so that everyone in front of them here is like, oh, yeah, that guy gave. Oh, yeah, she gave. Oh, he gave. And, and so Robin comes in with his bag, and he's just like, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, he's giving so much, right? But sometimes people do things like that. Why? So that they get that notoriety, so they get that respect. And maybe this man was also thinking that, hey, there's people that they do miracles. Why? So that they get that respect. Wow, there's an amazing person. He's doing these good things. Right? And so here's this man, and he's before Jesus. We, it doesn't say, hey, there's all these huge crowds, and then this man comes in front of the crowds. No. Jesus in the town. And this guy is who? He's a leper. So are people going to be hanging around? No. They're far away. They're far away from him. So I picture Jesus, you know, even if his disciples are there, I picture they're like, whoa, this dude got leprosy. Like, let's stay away. But Jesus is here, and the man is here. And so the man is, is thinking, hey, you have nothing to gain in this instance. Do you care? Do you care about me? Are you willing to heal me? In verse 5, we get that answer, and I think it is such a powerful answer. In, ver- in Luke 5, verse 13, I mean, it says, Well, there we go. Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man. He touches him. And he says, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. 
moves, that moves me because if, if I was Jesus, if I had that power, no one would, would think anything if I said, yeah, be healed, right? This is a contagious disease. But I think Jesus shows not only his power, but his love in that he says, you know what? Be healed. That touch, that care, that willingness to engage, that saying, you know what? (laughs) Yes, I'm willing. I'm going to touch you and heal you. And so I bet that in that moment, you can only imagine, I bet that man was not just healed of his physical affliction, but his internal hurt. A man separated from community, a man who had not probably been touched like that in a very long time. And so I really believe like his heart was healed as well. And Jesus takes care of not just the physical, but even more importantly, in that spiritual. And he says, yes, I love you. Be healed. And then Jesus ordered him, verse 14, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Because you can imagine if someone had this type of sickness and now they're saying, hey, guys, I'm good. I'm healed. Right? Well, it would have to be verified. It had to be verified, and they had, you know, custom, they had rules of how would they be reintroduced, you know, cleared for that and brought back into society. So Jesus is saying, hey, go through all the, the proper steps, you know, go get checked out, go show yourself to the priest, go through that. And verse 15 says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You can imagine this man, I, I think that because the news spread so much, you know, maybe he, he was, even if he was obedient and saying, don't tell anybody, maybe he was known. You know, maybe like, hey, that's that dude, he's outside of the town. We see him every time we come in and out. You know, he's always there. He's been there for 30 years and he's definitely healed. It's the same guy I know for sure, right? So people were talking and Jesus' fame and notoriety spreads and so people are drawn to him they're coming to him right and yet over and over jesus shows us this pattern of a spirit-filled life it doesn't matter how successful how well things are going or even how bad they are jesus takes time to get away from it all to spend time in prayer to spend time speaking listening connecting with god the father And then from there, he continues on, right? So let's go on to the the next section is Luke 5, verse 17. And and this is a, a, um, you know, encounter with Jesus that that I remember hearing when, you know, I was growing up. And it's, it's, uh, you know, one of my my favorite kind of um, times of of Jesus uh, and encountering it. And it's just so powerful. And there's so much. I mean, we can spend... Uh, you know, another, you know, couple hours just talking about this, but we won't, um, so don't worry. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, I say, like, you know, every week we have kind of, we give you things, right, to go home with, to study on your own, to get together in your Life Together group, to go over, to chew on this more. And I encourage you, really do that with this section, because I'm not going to spend, you know, a whole lot of time here. But verse 17 says, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. 
They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So again, we find Jesus is teaching. His fame has grown. People are traveling to come see him. There's been word about what he's been doing. And Luke tells us that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. Right? They're checking Jesus out. And I think, uh, you know, as we read through, it's easy from our perspective to maybe to identify quickly that, you know, just like with any story, hey, there's like a hero, there's a savior, there's, you know, and then there's like the villain, right? There's the, the bad guys. And, and I think it's easy for a lot of us to just say, hey, man, these Pharisees, these are the bad guys of the story, right? But I want you to get something because that's not how the people saw them, right? The Pharisees were these people that they were holy and separated. They followed the laws of God. I mean, they were the people that maybe we think of as like these great Christians, these great men and women that, man, they're so awesome. Like, I wish I could be like them. How can they live such great lives following God? Like, that's how the people thought of the Pharisees. They were heroes. They were like, man, these are the people I want to be like one day. I wish I was like them. They're so holy, you know. And so you had these, these maybe, you know, all these different pastors, if you will, these teachers of the law. You had these Pharisees. I just imagine, you know, like a, a house of, full of, uh, you know, well-known and respected leaders of the church, right? And I think that, that these people, as they have dedicated their lives to, to following God's commands and following the laws that were given down uh, to their forefathers, you know, I, I think I want to believe that, that yeah, that they're, they started out with those good intentions of, man, I want to be so devoted to God. I want to be so holy, so pure. I want to be an example to others. But as you know, when you start to get a lot of respect, when you start to have a lot of influence, it's a dangerous thing to, to you know, to us as humans because we can really eat that up and say, oh, man, I am good. I am special. Wow, I have influence over these people. And it can be a danger because we like that. We like that power. And what happens to people that are holding tight to those things is that they can be threatened by others that have power. They get threatened by others that have respect. They get skeptical. They get worried about losing what they have, right? And so we have these, these Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they're checking out Jesus. You can imagine if it was our church, Jesus was preaching. So many people were in here that, you know, as we have those doors, those main doors in the front, it was so crowded, nobody could get in. Right? That's kind of the scene, except probably in a much smaller setting. Now, verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So here's the situation. We know it's super crowded. And these guys come up and they can't get in the door. But they've brought their friend, who's paralyzed, to come and get healed. And they're determined. They're desperate. 
they're convinced that if we get them to Jesus, we know, we know he has the power to heal him, right? How are we going to do that? They get creative, and um, they make a hole in the roof, right? And then they lower him down. I could tell you right now, if I was preaching, and all of a sudden the roof starts falling out, and someone comes down, and they're like, Pastor Phil, I got the flu. I know you can pray for me, and I'll be healed. I'd probably be like, dude, what are you doing? You messed up the roof. Like, are you serious? Like, hey, we need not just a chair campaign. We need a roof campaign now. You know, like, I would not be happy about that. You guys would not be happy about that, right? So I really think, man, these guys were determined. They were desperate because these are the religious leaders, the respected people of that time. And they're willing to do something so crazy as this. Because Jesus easily could have said, like, what are you doing? Disrespectful. I'm not going to heal you. Get out of here. Right? And no one would have thought anything. They'd just be like, well, yeah, man, what's wrong with these guys? Right? Think about that. But what happens? Verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, the Pharisees and teachers of law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Or he speaks something that is is totally wrong, right? It totally goes against what we believe. He's speaking against God. Why? Because who can forgive sins but God alone? So essentially, they're, they're saying, who is this guy? He's basically saying he's God. Because only God can forgive sins, right? But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And so I think that, that this is the place that the Pharisees who have, have been kind of checking him out, and now there's this moment of, whoa, he's out of line now. He's saying he's God, right? But Jesus knows their heart. He calls them out right away, and he, he's saying, yeah, you know what? If I just said that, like, oh, yeah, your sins are forgiven, right? Who's going to prove me wrong, right? How are you going to prove that? Right? But he's saying, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, who are you? And we're saying, to, to show you that I have the power to forgive the sins, I'll give you this visible sign as well. That, hey, get up and be healed. Right? Everyone was amazed. Verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Wow, right? And there's so much, like I said, there's so much that we can go over in this. But we need a lot more time for that. And I just, I'm just going to kind of close it up, just pointing out a couple things, is that, that both of these, these instances, both these people that needed healing, right? they were people that were seeking Jesus. They had faith. They believed that Jesus could heal them. Right? They were desperate to come before him. It took risk. 
It took trust, right? And another thing is the paralyzed man, right? He's paralyzed. He couldn't just come into the town and seek Jesus even like the leper could, right? He was stuck. He was stuck on his mat. That wherever he was, that's where he was. He couldn't move, right? He's totally dependent on other people to help him out. And I think that's so powerful because it's like, it's literally, he's like trapped to this mat. He's trapped in this mat, unable to move, stuck. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, you know, I think for us, we can relate to that maybe. That there's areas in our lives where we feel like, man, I am just stuck on this mat. I feel paralyzed. I feel like I can't do anything Maybe it's a season in your life that you're just like, man, I, I don't even know what to do. I'm just so stuck. You know, that's why we need people around us. I believe it. We need people around us, brothers, sisters in Christ, family, that will lift us up and take us to Jesus. People that will be there to help us, right? Each person in the story, you know, I believe they had that faith, like we said over and over again. They had that faith. They said, you know what? I believe that Jesus can heal me. He has that power. But the question really is, does he care? Does he care? Does he want to heal me? Does he love me? You know, I think that maybe... Some of us today are kind of wondering the same thing. We're okay believing in the idea of God, even saying, I believe Jesus has power. I believe Jesus is God. But maybe you're wondering, does this God love me? Does this God care for me? That he has the power, but is he willing to engage with me? If that's you, you know, today I want to say, yes, he he does. He's not just willing to say, yes, I love you, but to reach out and touch you. To say, I'm not afraid of whatever you have. That's how much I love you. That's how much I care for you. And I really, I, I believe that you just being here, that, that he is so pleased that you have come seeking him. And I hope that today that you are able to receive that answer, that as you have come, that he meets you with that, yes, I am willing. I am willing. I love you. I care for you. All right, so this week, our, our weekly challenge and... You know, as always, you guys are willing to, you know, you're able to take a picture of this. Um, I'll send it out to you on Tuesday via email. If you're not part of those emails, uh, let me know. Let uh, Pastor Jenny or Pastor Toby know so we can get you connected that way. Uh, Then you don't have to take a picture. You're going to get it automatically. But if you want to get started today, uh, write this down, take a picture. No, read Luke 5, 12 through 27. Um, I also encourage you to read um, about the paralyzed man in Matthew, Matthew 9, 2 through 8, and Mark 2, 3 through 12. And think about how you can relate to the people in these encounters with Jesus. 
you know, maybe you relate to the Pharisees. Maybe you, you say, hey, you know, I'm very skeptical. I'm looking out for, for false teaching. I, and you should be. But has your skepticism, has your, like, critical nature been so, so, you know, important to you that you're blocking something? You know, I think it's like all those people in the room that they were coming to see Jesus, a lot of them were there to see, hey, who is this guy and what's he doing wrong? And know that that blocked the man from coming in and being healed, right? He had to come through the ceiling. So whoever you relate to, if you relate to one of, those, one of these men that were seeking healing, if you relate to, hey, I think I'm, I feel like in the, right now I'm, I could be one of those friends that is lifting uh, up someone else, right? Think about that. How do you relate to these stories? Grow. The people seeking healing in your story, like I said, they're desperate for Jesus. How desperate are you? Think about the ways or areas in your life that you are truly seeking out God. And overflow. A paralyzed man truly had no hope of meeting, uh, typo from, from me, that's my fault, uh, no hope of meeting Jesus that day without his friends. How have your friends carried you? Think about that. Reflect upon that. Appreciate that. I hope you have those, those uh, thoughts of how people have helped you out. And then how can you help carry someone else toward Jesus this week? That's a, a tangible way that, that we can really overflow into someone else's life. That it was, we see them, hey, man, this person needs some help. You know, how can I help you? And not just help them, but help them, bring them closer to God. Right? All right, let's close. Worship team, you guys come back up. Lord, this morning I thank you personally because um, you know, I can be the first to admit that, that I'm okay with you being God, that I recognize and, and I, I know that you have the power, that I know that you are Lord. I know that I should be coming to you with every problem, with every need, with every hurt. And then for whatever reason, whether it's my skepticism that I think, no, nah, I'll just do it on my own, or I already got the answer, I figured it out myself, or, or you know what, I don't know if you, you really do want to help me out. Whatever the reason, Lord God, I know that in my life there's been times, and, and even today there's, there's probably times where, or reasons why I'm not fully, desperately seeking after you. Forgive me, Lord. And Jesus, for each person here that, that has come here seeking you, Lord, I pray that they would know that not only do you have the power, not only are you Lord, but that you are willing. That you have such a heart for them that you love them like no one else loves them. And Lord, I also pray that for each person that is here that is seeking community, that is seeking those friends that will lift them up and carry them closer to you, that they would find it, that they would have the boldness to get connected to a Life Together group, that they would have the courage to, to accept an invitation to lunch or to say to someone, hey, what's your name? You know, how are you doing? that those relationships would begin to grow so that we can truly be the family, the community of God that will lift each other up when we are unable to move ourselves. 
So, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, just another beautiful day on this earth. And, God, we, we ask that you would help us to live with intention, that we would live with purpose, that we would seek you desperately. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.